Good morning. It's 2021. Welcome back to After the Gig. Went on a little hiatus, took some time at the beginning of the year, and now I'm back. Very excited to get this going and to get motivated again to do this every single week. I love it. Kind of pivoting a little bit. We're going to have some different people on other than musicians because let's face it, musicians are not working right now. I don't blame them for not wanting to be on a podcast about music. It's depressing. What we have for you today is my very good friend. I have known this guy for my entire life. He works for Google. He's a higher up in the in the uh, the the design department, hardware design. He's created a lot of the products that you may have in your uh, your home, and he's going to kind of demystify a bit of the tech side of that industry or just that industry in general. Uh, he goes through a lot of things that we just normally wouldn't think about. And then we talk about some music about midway, uh, midway through, uh, out to the end. So I'm going to keep this intro short and sweet. Please check out, uh, jessehumphrey.com. If you want to email into the show, if you have any questions or suggestions, whatever, uh, after the gig pod at gmail.com. Yeah, make sure you rate, review, subscribe to the podcast. It helps a lot. It helps if you share it. So do that. Also, I'll be doing my Over the Hump live stream tonight because it's Wednesday uh, at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. So it's 8 p.m. Eastern Time, Over the Hump. I'll be singing, playing guitar, playing some, uh, you know, playing some tunes for you, and also chatting. I've got the chat roll going and... Uh, and answering some questions and kind of interacting and doing that thing that we've been doing every week for this whole entire pandemic. So without further ado, please enjoy this episode with my very good friend, Nick Matarisi. One last drink to wish for thinking and then another again. The bar is getting brighter and the walls are closing in. Journey on the jukebox singing Don't let the believing end The one that you had eyes for Had their eyes for your best friend Nobody's gonna love you right Nobody's gonna take you in tonight Finish out the bottle Step into the light and roll it on home I haven't done an interview or talked to anybody in a while actually because covid happened and then a bunch of people were like turning down yeah they weren't doing it. they didn't want to do it makes sense and it made me not want to do it yeah so i the world, just the world got weird the world got super weird but now i've been seeing i asked a few different photographers and then i wanted to talk to a couple tech people because there's so much crazy tech stuff going on when it comes to like politics oh and, yeah and then also the actual tech stuff so yeah. what's like the craziest new thing that you like what's this most secretive project that <laughs> <laughs> ask you the question you yeah specifically told me not to ask you ah uh, craziest uh i'm trying to think of like things that right now like in the space that like what's the most interesting so I have, there's like a sleeper pick for what's, what's an interesting one that I think a lot of people slept on or don't know about, which would be Bose's AR glasses. 
So Bose put out a pair of sunglasses that had speakers in them. Right. And I, we remember these from high school. Oakley had a pair that had like a little earbuds that came down. Right, because they actually had a wire that came yeah. down. And these just have like the, a big... These have a speaker inside the, 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 the arm of the glasses mm-hmm. that aim down to your ear. Um, and it's cool because it's a new type of experience. Like people have had headphones before, but when the headphone's not in your ear and you have more situational awareness... There becomes this thing of like, well, what could you do with that? Mm-hmm. And there's this idea called audio AR, which is about like AR is augmented reality. And a lot of people think AR is I can see Pikachu in front of me using my phone, right? Pokemon Go is a lot of our first times using AR. Right. And with audio AR, it's what can I do sonically? Like what can I do with audio? Um, so I think right now audio AR from like Bose's glasses are very cool, um, fun to try. Uh, and I wouldn't say buy them to anybody. Uh, first of all, so anybody listening, don't buy them. But if you have a friend who has them, ask to try them. Yeah. Because um, I see the commercial, I'm like, this looks like the most gimmicky thing I've ever exactly. seen. Because it, it is sort of a gimmick. It's really nascent tech. And then um, something that a lot of people could try is um, Apple is sort of leading the charge right now in what's called spatial audio. So uh, I have a background in audio, a huge fan of, of audio products. Uh I've spent the last five years of my life building them. And I would say, I would say Apple is doing right now some really interesting stuff. Led the <clears throat> Oculus, Facebook's, Facebook's Oculus VR led the charge with it. Um, but to think about spatial audio is to, uh, is to think about audio a little bit differently. So we are used to mono is where everything started, right? right. You record and you play back in mono. The same thing comes out of the speaker because we only had one speaker, which was it's in all the... in one place. It's all in the center, right up the middle. Yeah, exactly. A lot of old recordings were mono, and then we see like a change in the '60s to stereo, and it was and it was like the polar opposite because then you would listen to stuff. That's why if you listen to something from the '60s or '70s, all the drums are in the left side. So if your left speaker isn't working, you have no drums. Yeah. And, you know, vi- and the same thing with guitars and vocals, whatever. And that's how headphones work, right? Yeah. Uh, headphones work. And we've all had the headphone jack for those old enough to remember the headphone jack. We've all had the headphone jack that's a little out. Which so is you- most people that listen <laughs> to the show. <laughs> you, the, the headphone jack's a little out of place or it's broken a little bit and you hear it in one ear and not the other. Mm-hmm. Or some pair of headphones because it's like a weird device doesn't have the extra barrels so or the extra like connectors. So what you hear is like only out of one ear always and it's terrible um and then you know with airpods it's a little easier and wireless wireless earbuds it's a little easier to understand there's a left and a right but that's where audio is right now Mm -hmm. we have left we have right spatial audio says yes you're wearing a left side and a right side but i can place audio anywhere i want in 3d around you right and by you turning your head you're actually turning your head inside space so a good example of this is uh, an so apple. If, so sorry, if if like a bird's chirping to your right, and then you turn to your right to look at it, it'll be chirping in front of you. Exactly. Right. Exactly. So that's the fundamental difference. So it, it works off an anchor device. So we'll call the anchor device the iPhone 12. Mm-hmm. With the iPhone 12, if you're watching a show and you don't have headphones on, if you turn your head to the left, your right ear is closer to the iPhone 12, and therefore I will hear it primarily out of my right ear. If I had headphones on, traditional headphones, I would hear the same thing regardless of where I turn my head. Wouldn't change. You could put your phone down and go to the bathroom. Exactly. And it would sound the same. 
spatial audio, which you can try right now <clears> if you have a pair of AirPods Pro and a new iPhone on the newest iOS 14 update or an iPad on iOS 14 and watch something from Disney Plus. Like I'm talking, this is hard to do. You have to have special hardware and software to do this. Uh, but Disney Plus is pretty readily available. The iPhone 12 and iPad plus AirPods Pro, people have them. So if you have a friend with them, try them. Um, and it's a little bit surreal. So like something you'll do is like play the Mandalorian and the Mandalorian supports it. And when you turn your head, you think that like the iPad is still on. I've had situations at late at night where I like take out my headphone because I think I'm blasting the iPad. Hmm. Your brain can't tell the iPad isn't on. Right. Because of how good it's mimicking a very natural sound, right? Where audio comes from a source. And I can spatially understand where that source is, the TV or a speaker to my right. Right. This gets crazier when you're in VR. So Oculus, Facebook makes Oculus. It's Oculus is a VR headset. And they do spatial audio inside out. So Oculus does not make you wear headphones. However, Oculus has speakers in the headset. Right. And Jesse's visited my house and he's played with Oculus before. And if something is happening to the front right of you, you hear it from that area. Right. Even if you turn around, it's still happening in the space it was happening. You can pinpoint it. It's funny to think, because with Oculus, with that spatial audio kind of thing, even though it doesn't have headphones, it has the illusion that you have headphones. Because yeah. I remember wearing it and doing and, and playing the games and really feeling completely immersed, even you know, with, with every sense, yeah. you know what I mean? Like your, your, your balance and, you know, and, and just the feel of everything. And spatial audio is going a step further as well inside Oculus. Cause you have a visual component, right? Well, it's that's the super thing. important because like a good example is they have, um, rise of one of the, I don't even know the name of it. It's like a Vader game. It's like a Darth Vader game. Rise of Skywalker. Is it right? It might be rise of Skywalker. I forget the name of the, of the game itself. No, Vader eternal or something. Some bullshit that Facebook mm. contracted. Um, anyway, in one part of the game, these drinks are good. Very good. By the way, just want to pause you for a second. Um, uh, in, in one part of the game, there's like a, a speaker from the death star. Cause like the death star apparently had speakers in Facebook's world. There was like a speaker above you and you hear the speaker talking and you know, it's above you to your right. Right. Your ears are actually really good sensors. Yeah. And you're like, Oh, it's happening above me to the right, about four feet away. Like, you know that yep. because it's mimicking the real world. So I'm a huge fan and have spent years working on tech that's trying to, trying to mimic, your, mimic real world sensory experiences mm-hmm. to make it feel more real, to make you forget the tech is even there. Right. Um, and I think that's where this really nice immersion is happening. And spatial audio is the first time you're going to try it. But it's coming sooner than you think. So spatial audio is already on the iPhone. You're going to start seeing them do more with it. It's not just going to be to watch shows with with spaceships around your head. I feel like that's the best way that they implement new tech is when it just kind of slowly just, you don't even realize it's you're doing it. You're like, oh, that's a new thing. And then and then you can't live without it. Yeah. I, <laughs> Eventually. And, and this takes years. So I, I've spent I've spent years building technology. I work at Google. Uh, I am an experienced designer at Google who builds uh, products on the hardware team. Um, And I uh, have spent a lot of time looking at technology from before Google. I was at a company called Motorola. Uh, After Motorola, I joined Google. And I've worked on uh, the advanced technology team at Google uh, for a while named ATAP. 
I was on Google's home team and but before, Wi-Fi team. But before that, like with the whole design design thing, because Google, I don't think people necessarily, maybe they do now, but I don't think they think of Google as a hardware company. Yeah. Uh, completely. Yeah, you, no, you know, not at all. I'm sure there's a lot of people like, hey, Google that or whatever. But, you know, not everyone has a, a Google Home or Google yeah. whatever in their house or thinks of it that way. I've actually been at Google longer than there's been a hardware team. Right. So <laughs> I was going to say. Yeah. So you were at the start of, yeah, at, of, of Google hardware. Yeah. Yeah. So um, <clears throat> I joined Google in 2014, December 2014. I like to say 14, but it doesn't really count because I was there on like the like the, the second week of it's four, December. It's 14. It's 14, OG. That's right. Um, I started on a team working on Google's first uh, consumer router. It was called OnHub, and we built a router. And that sounds really weird, but it makes sense if you really think about it. Um, was this the first piece of hardware tech? It wasn't the first piece of hardware. We had already put out Google's Chromecast and the Nexus phones. Right, okay. Um, but we it was the first piece of hardware um, that this particular team had made. Google's made up of a lot of different teams. And we were this team who was working on what is the future of the internet and energy and technology. And um, this one was about your router sucks. Yeah. Like fundamentally, it's this most important thing to your internet life in your home. Everybody has it. Everybody has it. Everybody's asking for the password. No one knows how it works. Right. It's a box that exists where your computer room was. Right. And where the cable guy drilled a hole in the wall. <laughs> and and it's hilarious because that's, so that's not where your router should be. Yeah. Um, it's like in the place where the computer was in this historical world where we had a physical space for the computer. Yeah. And um, all you know is it blinks a lot. By the way, if you don't know what a router is, it's the thing in your home that blinks a lot. Right. It's the thing that you have to unplug every week, and at least it, once a week. And it has antennas. And you unplug it and you plug it back in, but you don't know why. Right. And um, when the Wi-Fi is on the fritz, you go and unplug it and plug it back in. Because yeah. if you know, if you call them, that's all they're going to tell you to do. Right. And we asked ourselves a question. It was like, well, how do we build a better router? Like, we're, we're Google. Like, we know the internet pretty well. Mm-hmm. And we spent uh, about two years looking at people's... Uh, Wi-Fi routers, where they existed in their home. We talked to a lot of people. I traveled around the country talking to people going into their homes. And it was this really interesting thing that nobody knew how it worked. Hmm. They had this thing forever. It's always been next to my TV. Exactly. Always. They had this thing forever. And there was really simple tricks. We would talk to people then, and we would talk to experts. And I had plenty of experts on my team. uh, And we would talk to them, and they're like, can you guys just have them not put it on the floor? Like, if it's on the floor, it's, it's worse. And we're like, oh, the floor is bad? Mine's, yeah. on, the, mine's on the floor. Of course. <laughs> right? And it's like, it's on the floor, it's worse. Can you have them not put it behind the TV? The TV's a giant piece of metal that blocks it from sending the signal out. Yeah. And we're like, why don't you tell anybody this? Well, no one thinks, like, I don't think of, I'm going to compare it to, to something in the music world. Because... All right, the router obviously shouldn't be on the floor there. Should probably be up on the thing or maybe in the middle of the apartment so yeah. it, you know, so everything can kind of hit it evenly or whatever. But I never think of the actual like Wi-Fi coming out of it, like the rays of oh, yeah. signal coming out of it. If you think of it that way, you're like, "Oh, well obviously this is a bad place for it." It's the same way 
you know, the mic placement works on a on an amp cabinet or something. Exactly. If you're not direct, you're going to get a non-direct bad sound or you're going to get bleed from something else. Yeah. Anyway, your bad. your router is at the center <clears throat> of a of a circle. Right. It's sending out the same it's sending out a uh, internet connection so technically the house over there is getting better internet oh it's it's half than i would be in my bathroom in, in jesse's in jesse's place right now the uh router's up against a wall meaning half the signal's outside of your wall and half is inside it right right it's just a, it's a circle yep. right um and the router sits in the center of it and people uh people don't understand how important the router is to their home they see it they don't truly understand it uh, if you're sitting here right now asking yourself for the first time, like, what is a router? Um, just look it up. It's it's not that scary of a piece of technology. And I'm going to tell you right now that it matters. It's the reason that your Zoom call goes out sometimes. It's right. the reason that, you know, your YouTube buffers. Um, it's I started plugging straight in when I when I stream. Yeah. And I've seen, I mean, it, obviously, it, it's, yeah. been, it's been so much better so much um, better yeah so Clearer, we, we did all this we did all this research and we went and made this product and uh two years later in 2016 we released on hub uh and it did okay it was like it was like i i had made this first product i was super pumped and it did okay yeah but we knew we had another one coming and we were really pumped about what we were building and it was this new technology it was called mesh technology and mesh technology says it's like the same Wi-Fi that you would have in an office. Mm -hmm. So like multiple points in your house, all on the same network. Right. So you didn't have to switch networks. It was just like walking through a college dorm. Your Wi-Fi just worked wherever you were in the house. Right. And the reason is that we saw a lot of people doing new things in new places. They were, they were fixing their car in their garage using their iPad. They're they, filming their only fan videos in the bedroom. In the bedroom. Right. <laughs> They wanted to read Twitter on the toilet in the right. basement. Of course. Right. It's what they wanted to do. And, it, and Wi-Fi didn't work for them. So we saw this new technology coming up, um, which was called, it was a type of 802.11, which was S. And uh, don't worry about finding that. It doesn't really matter for you. It's just a mesh standard. And um, what this meant was like for the first time, we could bring this to consumers at a low price. Mm. And we decided that that's what we we're going to focus on. In 2017, we released, uh, 2016? I'm missing the dates now. 2016, we release Google Wi-Fi. And Google Wi-Fi, um, so 2015, we released on Hub. 2016, the following year, we release Google Wi-Fi. And Google Wi-Fi becomes instant, instant number one bestseller. All of these people who were trying to hate on us for, oh my God, it's Google, they're going to steal my information, yeah. were like, whoa, you guys made a truly helpful product that changed how I dealt with the internet in my house. Interesting. And it went on to become like the top seller. Amazon even sold it at a time where they didn't like us very much. Mm. And it became the number one seller at Amazon. And they they were still like, sell it? Yeah, they still sell it. They have to. All right. Um, when something reaches number one, Amazon has a hard time blocking it. They did buy our number one competitor. Because then it just then it just looks, you know. They did buy our number one competitor. Amazon now owns Eero, an equally good mesh service. It's very mm. good. Um, I'm not going to like sit here and say it's it's a terrible product. Right. Uh, I recommend Google Wi-Fi for anybody listening. But uh, getting back onto it is we built a router. After building the router uh, at Google, I was offered the opportunity to build uh, a new product uh, in a new product line. Google Home had come out in 2016, and uh, they had let me know that they were looking for somebody to lead Google Home's uh, successor, the, the newest ones. 
And I went on to build Google Home Mini and Google Home Max, mm -hmm. which was our first time making a smaller device for every room and a larger device for audio. Mm -hmm. uh, and those were really fun projects. I did those in 2017 and uh, part of 16, part of 17, part of 18, actually. But uh, we released them in 17 and uh, Google Home Mini went on to do pretty well. A lot of people have them. Hopefully people have them in their house. I have one, two, yeah. I have like three <laughs> in this apartment. Yeah. Uh, There's <laughs> one in each room. Yeah. And Google Home Mini was made to go in every room. It was made to sort of be this really awesome device for asking questions to the Google Assistant mm -hmm. and to ask the weather and to turn on smart home objects, such as turning on the lights. I mean, that's the best. You get up, you turn on all the lights, you say good morning, and yep. then it gives you the whole the whole layout of the day, your schedule, yeah. what's going on. It, but is it listening to me all the time, Nick? That's oh, the question that everybody has. I don't trust no. it because I think if I admit that I want to do something bad, the uh, NSA is going right. to come knock on my door. So the way, uh, the way Google Home, HomePod, Alexa all work, the device is always listening. That is how the device works. Uh, before anybody gets uh, too scared of that, it is listening for a very specific subset of words. Mm -hmm. It is listening for what we call a hot word, or you can call a trigger word. Right. Those words are the words you use to wake up the device, a wake word, you can call it. On Apple, it is Siri. It's a, the, the hey word yeah. before it. Uh, OKG is the Google one that I won't say, so I won't set off your devices. Uh, Alexa is the Alexa one um, from Amazon. And when it hears that set of words, it does start recording. It right. needs to in order to answer your question. Right. And then, uh, and then it, sends the inf it sends the questions and the information to your phone. It sends, it sends <clears throat> that recording, right, that set of words that you just said. So let's give you an example. I say, hey, G the hot word. Yep. It says, I am now recording is basically what it's starting to do. Yeah. I say, what time is it? It then takes that only. It stops recording and brings that to the cloud. It says, what did I hear? It hears it, it. It transcribes it in the cloud and it says, what time is it? And then we come back and respond with an answer. Mm. We cannot record anything else. The system does not allow us to record anything else. But what about the situations where like an Alexa picked up, you know, home invasion or some like there's been stories and stuff like that. Yeah. So and there must be, there must be other trigger words. So we don't have any other trigger words. We have okay or Hey G. Right. Um, pizza's here. Pizza, the pizza's back. The pizza man, pizza, pizza lady, man. lady, <laughs> woman. I need to get an award. Why? What happened? They didn't have it. They're the best. Why? Did they, did they not have it? There's so many people standing outside. There's a lot of people there. Yeah. It's a new pizza and place. I'm like, I was like, have you guys ordered? And they're like, yeah. And the guy poked his head out and he says, sorry guys, it's taking so long. Like the pies are coming. And this woman was like, I've been waiting an hour and 40 minutes. An hour and 40 minutes for no. pizza? You don't wait an hour and 40 minutes for pizza. She, she, I think she booked it online. And oh. probably said like an hour. And she turns up. It's not. So oh, there's so many people that have been waiting there for like. They're going to have to improve those times. Or they're not going to be in business, oh, right? They're not going to be in business. Be. Mm. So people are deprived for options. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. Oh. Don't put it right there. I can't see Nick. It's okay. You can put it anywhere you want. <laughs> anywhere. No, we're, we're in the middle of something, but we'll eat in a minute. We'll eat in a sec. Thank you very much. Thank you. 
Um, so, so in the situations where you've heard of uh, Alexa being subpoenaed, exactly, for that's what I mean. right? That's what I mean. um, we there was a couple of cases of this. Um, they they usually come up with nothing because unless the burglar or home invader or murderer said the hot word, yeah, it can't know anything. Yeah, what it can know, like hey. You better, I'm going to come over there and I'm going to murder you. But hold on, I need to check the weather real quick. Siri? Yeah. (laughs) Where it is helpful is um, there was a a really famous case in which a person, uh, a person had what are called uh, water sensors. Okay. Not the water sensors for leaks. They were looking for how much water their tap used. Okay. And they were tracking that. Trying to see. There was a murder. And somebody saw, because this thing lives under your counter. Nobody sees it. This person and probably got sick of this when, when tracking the, all this water. They got frustrated. When the police subpoenaed, when the police subpoenaed them, they were able to see an amount of water was used between two and four in the morning. Oh. And that is a clue, right? That is helpful in the investigation that this was the water was used to clean up the crime scene. Oh man! And that was that's easy, right? That's yeah. easy to understand, right? Um, yeah, I think that just people get worried that. It's always listening to them, and it's like sending information, like your yeah. phone. You, people get worried or frustrated. Yeah, your phone doesn't do it either, by the way. Well, but but then how does the you know if I say you know Xbox, Xbox, Xbox to my phone? Yeah, I'm gonna get ads for Xbox. No, it's because you searched it some other way, or looked it up, or interacted with ads. Are you sure? Positive. Um, the part of my job is the security of this device. Right. Um, I know what the device is capable of. And trust me, it's not capable of recording everything that you do. Right. Um, the way we build these devices are actually really privacy first. Like, we right. worry every day about this. Like, us having something you might see. Something that sounds like OKG, setting your device off. We call it false positive. Right. That's, we try to reduce those as much as possible because right. that's not okay. Because I remember when all the commercials were out, it was setting off my devices like yeah. crazy. So that's we work really hard to prevent that from right. happening because we still want to advertise. We still want to tell you about our product and how to use it. Is the way to get rid of those kinds of things, is that is that like picking up certain frequencies? So there's, there's two methods. Um, one method is to, is to send out a signal as a hot word mm. and then say, don't respond. Mm. But that would mean that we have a signal that could open the mic. Right. And we can't do that because of privacy. Right. The other one is very similar to how um, Shazam works. Okay. It's a, it's, we record the audio and once the audio is recorded, we put it through a a training network and say, hey, this, when you hear this, don't respond. Don't respond. So it's a very real command, but we can sort of tag it to say, don't respond because we know it's the vocal from the, from the ad. Now, this is this is probably too too far down that down that well, but it's like, how do those actual commands? Is that all code? Is that just like code that's written to to tell the devices to not respond to that certain yes. sound? Yeah, it's so interesting yeah. to me how that can just be typed in. It's a little harder than typing it. I'm in. sure. I, I know it. I'm I'm oversimplifying it because I'm an idiot. But you know, yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's basically that it's, we have a system, uh, we have a system for exactly for advertising. We need to have commercials right. to show people that there's new technology and how it works. Yeah. You're selling stuff. Right. However, we don't want it to turn your oven to 400 degrees. Right. Right. 
but we don't want that to happen. So we have mm-hmm. to work really hard to make sure it doesn't happen. So what we do is we tell the system that we have a commercial coming out, basically. We give it the audio and say, don't respond to this audio. Mm-hmm. And it's not that command. It's that audio. It's the inflection in that person's voice. It's their actual voice that we're saying don't respond to. It's not the command because the command has to work for you when you buy the device and get it at home. Right. Right. Um, so it's very similar to how Shazam works. It's an ID3 tag that we add to the audio and we train the system on. Yeah. Um, and that's why, like, when you really get to know these things, I'll tell you, don't be scared of them. It's, it's, right. it's, a, it's a set of commands and rules that build these systems. Well, you can't. The thing is, if, like, I'm on the side. I love technology. I love gadgets. Yeah. I have no problem having... For, oh, she must have just opened that fridge because it smells like farts in here again. <laughs> oh my god! I, oh god! It's never, fine. never buying broccoli and it's fine. Cauliflower, cauliflower it's in fine. a combined chopped package ever again. It's unbelievably smelly. It smells amazing, Jen. <laughs> Thanks for getting us pizza. Um, but I, I completely think that these companies, it's in their best interest to not, to not um, lose the trust of their customers yeah, and, and, and of consumers in general. And it's something we think of every day. Like, I think that, I think I'm that sure. a, a lot of people think that like, how could they, what is this? And I'll tell you that like, there's not a day that goes by that we don't have a meeting about this stuff. Yeah. Right. We talk about it all the time. Cause this tech and stuff like this can, can obviously be used in, in yeah. way worse ways. Yeah. And there's, and it, it, it could be, and there's also like, we don't want anybody to take advantage of the system. It's not just us. So like a good example of a very, very like funny, I'm going to say it's funny. I'm also going to say it's not that serious, but we had to take it seriously. It was Burger King um, put out an ad on the uh, Tonight Show. I think they advertised on on Fallon and basically, or maybe it was Kimmel. I think it was Kimmel and Kimmel did it. And it was Mm. Kimmel and Burger King had an ad that set off our devices by saying, uh, hey, G, uh, and it set off our devices. And then. Burger King went as far as editing the Wikipedia page to make sure that when you asked what a Whopper was, it would read back what a Whopper was. Interesting. And Wikipedia got pissed. Like Wikipedia got way more angry than we did. Like we kind of laughed about it. Wikipedia was not okay with this. <laughs> um, Why would they get so mad? Because uh, they were because that means that like they're altering the page, meaning they had to like take over enough accounts to actually make an edit. Oh, so like it's kind of a hack. Uh, so even though it's about themselves, but they made sure that Google home read exactly what they wanted without our help. That's just, you know, it's marketing. That's marketing. And that's wanting to stay on brand. So they did it and we immediately, we saw it. We laughed a little bit. We blocked it. We did. We trained it. We Mm. taught the system. Here's the audio. About five hours later, they ran the ad with a different audio because they knew how we ran the system. And then we get angry. Yeah. Because it was like, hey, guys, you, you can't do this. Yeah. It's like stop. Um, cease and desist. But there's a lot of rules. Like, you know, I worked really hard on uh, there are ways to buy things with Google Homes, to order things, uh, to order things in the Google Store. You can order an Uber. You can do things like that. I've done that. And we put those things behind what's called voice ID or voice fingerprinting yep. to ensure that you can't listen to a podcast that orders something. Yeah, and, right. then, and then you have a bunch of stuff that shows up. At so your we door. do have safety protocols in place. Yeah. Um, right. There's other things like you cannot turn your oven to 700 degrees. That is not a valid command. Right. You cannot turn the temperature to 1,000 degrees. That is right. not a valid command. Right. <laughs> like, pretty funny, though. Yeah, it, it is. And, and <laughs> we have a pretty good think, prank. <laughs> and we have to think about these things. And it's part, of the, it's part of my job. It's part of my job to talk about what could happen. What are the potentials that could happen yeah. with uh, this system? Is this like the the pinnacle of of tech design or design tech that you're doing? Like 
pretty much right on the edge of yeah. Yeah. At that time in 2017, there was very few people working on voice interfaces or voice user experiences. Um, there was no rule book at the time. We were sort of making it up. Right. And I had a team of linguists that I worked with who taught me how many syllables were okay for a command. When would somebody forget something? How are we going to add a personality to the assistant? And should the assistant have a personality? Mm. Should its personality be gendered? Right? There was a lot of questions. How right. funny should it be? Siri's right. not very funny and sometimes mean. That's designed by Apple. That's so funny how it's like you have to think all these little things that you have to think of so people don't think of it at all. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's exactly my job. If it's you like, see how can I, I make the coolest thing that is useful to people that can also just stay out of their way? I mean, let's let's pick the iPhone. It's a very easy example. Uh, it's an example I don't like using. I love Apple. I love you know I have friends who work there. I love the products. Um, however, uh, it's an easy example, and I really hate using it for the fact that so many people are like Steve Jobs is amazing. The iPhone. I'm not talking about that. But for for the sense of like, oh, my iPhone is so easy. I just press the button at the bottom. Back when I had the button, right? I just press the button at the bottom. It goes home, and it's like. Yes, somebody spent a long time yeah. figuring out the one button could work. Right. Right. Um, I have a bunch of friends who worked on the new swipe interface that you probably use today. Right. Mm -hmm. Swiping up from the bottom wasn't a natural thing. They had to figure out a bunch of ways to get rid of the home button. Right. Right. And it doesn't just come as like, oh, yeah, it was an idea, so we tried it. And it does other stuff, too. Exactly. Right. And getting that interaction moments correct, right, like making it feel like that's how it should work. That's right. the hard part. You'll hear this word intuitive, that something's intuitive. And um, it's actually a word I don't believe in. Um, and as a user experience designer, like, my job is supposed to be like, oh, my God, it's so intuitive. You get a raise. Um, <laughs> I hate the word intuitive because there's nothing intuitive. Um, it is a learned interface, right? You learn how to drive a car. You don't just know what the wheel does by looking at the wheel. You're not like, oh, this wheels turns left and right. But wouldn't you think that nothing man-made is yeah, intuitive? It's not. That's why I don't like the word. Right. Okay. Right. Because, because there are intuitive things. There are and there Instincts. aren't. A lot of things. Yes. Yeah. 100%. Right. Um, but the fact that a light switch represents on and off by up and down, but sometimes it's reversed. We learn that. We learn that. And, you and then when it's reversed, we're like, what the fuck? But you learn that. Because <laughs> every time you go to that damn switch... You hit it's the wrong. wrong one. It's wrong. Yeah. Um, I've spent years of my life studying physical interfaces. Um, and th you think that these affordances, right, are clear. Like, oh, yeah. Like, there's a very famous Don Norman. Uh, Don Norman is a very famous designer. He wrote a, uh, a bunch of books, but one of the most famous is The Design of Everyday Things. And D Don Norman is quoted, and he's actually, they call us a whole thing after him called Norman Doors. And Norman Doors are doors that you don't know are push or pull. They have to label themselves to tell you which one to do. Right. Because the affordance isn't clear. You're like, oh, right. it's a giant flat surface. I should pull it. <laughs> and and that's a Norman door. Push. Yeah. yeah. That's a Norman door. It's in every restaurant. Exactly. And they have to label it. And and some people will say that labeling something means that you fucked up. And and I'll can we say fucked up on the podcast? Yeah, you can say okay. whatever you want. And and it's it's not that you fucked up. I don't want to say that all having a label means it's bad design. Having a label means it's more accessible, mm -hmm. right? It doesn't mean that it's inherently bad design. It can be a fix to bad design. But in the case with Don Norman and Norman doors and a lot of the stuff, it's like 
does the can the interface just tell you what it does and do you know it very rarely mm. very a lot of this is taught to us the x button doesn't just mean close uh the three lines at the top of facebook it's uh referred to in my industry as the hamburger menu it doesn't mean menu <laughs> it doesn't mean menu right there's nothing about that symbol that means oh yeah there's a drawer of settings and and options here right yeah, but we get so we get so used to them, and, exactly. and we know what we just know what they do. Uh, a very typical one, a very typical one is uh, left means to lower, and right means to raise, right? So lowering volume is often uh, is often a counterclockwise turn, mm-hmm. and raising the volume is a clockwise turn. Right. Um, there's no reason for that. Somebody decided knobs worked that way. Time moves in that direction, so we decided. On, uh, that we're going to make volume knobs work that way. Yeah, there's, there's so many things that that go higher when you move to the right yep. and lower when you move to the and left. And that's a designed pattern. Right? Interesting. And when you go against that, it's weird. It's not it's not intuitive. There's nothing about right. If you think right, of a piano. Or, there's know, nothing but right that means more. I guess. Yeah. Because, well, I guess with piano, I'm just, you know, yeah. just as an example. Deeper like, to higher is left to right. Right. Well, left to right, but also most people's right hands are more dominant, mm-hmm. and, and most of the mel- melodic things are happening in your right hand. So I guess those would be the higher notes. And and, and, and there's stuff like this. You can try to find a reason for it. A lot of the times it's just a legacy. It's the way we've done it. That's so interesting to think of that. It's like we, some someone that was a great designer and had a great thought. It's the same thing with like linguistics with, with language and words. Someone had the creative thought. It's like, Oh, this is how this is going to feel right. Yeah. This feels right. And and feeling right. Isn't intuition feeling right. If you're doing your job correctly is, is user research. Mm -hmm. So oftentimes trial and error. Exactly. I come up with a design and we bring it in front of real people and ask them to use it. Right. And I watch them use it without me being able to talk. A lot of times I'm behind uh, one-way glass, like an interview. You do that? Oh, yeah. I didn't know that oh, you yeah. did that. Uh, or, or I'll get, uh, I'll watch the study on a camera, and the person knows they're being recorded. It's right. not creepy. Um, we're, we're, we're very much incentivizing them, or we'll give them some type of incentive you can to tell do me the study. That, you can tell me after, off mic, what um, you really did. However, <laughs> uh, however uh, we watch them. And I love when people tell me this doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Right? That's helpful. I want to know why it doesn't make sense. Like, oh, I thought I could do this, but I can't, I guess. Right. Or it'd be cool if I could. Oh, my God, I can. But then you have then you have years and years of that, whatever that person's experience with technology is yeah. and what they're used to. So that's why we look for a diverse set of backgrounds, a diverse mm-hmm. set of people right, to okay. test on. And then you use the mean. Like, you can't just listen to one person's opinion. Yeah. Right? So what we do is we test on a lot of people, but we try really hard to make sure those people aren't us. Right. They're not always tech savvy. Right. I mean, I loved, I, I absolutely love when I tested the routers, we would go to people's homes all over the world and it was so fun because they had no idea what the router was. And we're like, what do you think it does? Right. Like, and I'm like, I don't know. And I'm like, we're, so if you had to fix your internet, how would you? They're like, I call somebody and I'm like, all right, well, you're going to do it today. And they're like, what? Yeah. <laughs> and we'd make them struggle because we wanted to know what would happen. Mm-hmm. But what if I said we could do this all over the place? So let me give you a really weird example. What if I said that when you pull money out of an ATM machine and you hear a bunch of clicks going on to give you your money, mm-hmm. that right now, it is dispensing your money. Right. Early on, 
uh, in like the 80s when cash machines were becoming a thing. That was a fake sound. Hmm. And they would actually use a fake sound because people would put their money, would put their card in. It would have to make an internet connection and it would have to come back. And that could take upwards of two minutes. And when you just asked for 200 bucks and you're not getting it out of the wall, it's scary. <laughs> and so you want to know the machine's working. Especially if there's nothing happening, you're getting nothing back from the so, machine. So that right there. It says, please wait on the screen. So that right there is like, oh, at least it's doing something. Yeah. Just that noise is actually reassuring. That no- that noise is like, oh shit, cool. It's so psychological. It's That's the whole job. A lot of, a lot of UX designers, you can come from graphic design. You can come from industrial design, which is what I have a background in, or you can come from cognitive science. Interesting. A lot of it is psychology. A lot of it is like, yeah. how do people th- approach things? How do they yeah. think about them? Right. What was that? What was that um, interview question? You were going to interview somebody. It was when we were in San Francisco. We were sitting down in your living room, and you said you had to interview somebody. And then you told me like one of the techniques that you use. It's probably a pretty common technique. But I remember it being so interesting. Oh, um, so it's like how people worked through certain yeah, things. Yeah. So uh, this is a fun one. It's it's about asking somebody. It's a little bit of a trick question, and it's a trick question on purpose, in which you ask somebody about their favorite application. And okay. They're, and they're often going to pick. They're often going to pick one of the majors, right? They're going to pick uh, of Facebook, or they're going to pick Instagram, or they're going to pick. Uh, Google, because they're trying to impress me by choosing Google, which I never like. Uh, I actually tell them not to. Google's uh, actually one of my least used. Yeah, use that's it. cool. That's cool. Uh, or, or like nobody counts their... Who's Google Home all the time? Nobody, nobody... Thanks, bud. Nobody counts the uh, the phone app as an app on their phone, even though it is. Um, but like they'll, they'll oh. ask, they'll ask like, what's your favorite app? And sometimes you'll hear Pinterest. And I'm like, cool, Pinterest. And I'm like, what do you love about Pinterest? So you get them riled up and excited because they were just about to go just crazy on how much they love this and how much they know. So then you follow it up with, well, someone just said Farmville. That's cool. I'll go with it. (laughs) Let's do Zynga. Okay. Farmville. What do you love about Farmville? And they go off and they talk about how awesome it is. Cause I can like manage my crops and I can like compete with my mom and I can like share my progress and get more farming. And all of a sudden I'm like, awesome. That's all good. Cause I don't care what you're saying. Right. But what if they said, it's literally my favorite thing to do when I'm taking a dump. That's fine. That's fine. Honestly, because at this you got, point, you're hired. <laughs> at this point in the question, at this point in the question, I'm really first of all learning which parts you're going to tell me are your favorite. Okay. What's resonating with you? And I'm like, cool. And a lot of the times I don't care. Sometimes something interesting will come up here. Mm-hmm. And then the next question I'll ask is, what do you not like about Farmville? And they'll be like, oh my god, I hate such and such. Is and it because they feel like they have to answer? No, they have to answer because I'm asking them a question. So the, the what if you say there's there's literally nothing I don't like about it? Very rare. Okay. Even if you have like a fancy car that you love, if I ask you what do you not like, you're going to start telling me that like oh my god I hate yeah. this like one thing. Right. So so I look for what that one thing is, and they'll mm. oftentimes like say like oh like I remember when I first got the question. Uh, at the time I chose Facebook because my set of things that they asked me on the five biggest apps, which one was my favorite? And I was like, Facebook? I don't know the other ones you're talking about. Mm-hmm. And they asked me what my favorite part was. And I was like, oh, using Facebook? Like, I, don't, I had no idea what I answered. And they're like, your least favorite part? I was like, the friend button? Because at the time there was a tab for friends. Right. And I was like, I haven't gotten a new friend request in Facebook in years. Like it's right. the least used tab. Why is it there? Right. 
And here comes the next part of the question. So now you've gotten the person to say what they love about their favorite app. And then you've asked them what they don't love about their favorite app. And then you say like, there was a really skilled team behind building that app. Why did they make that decision? So you make them feel bad. You don't make them feel bad. You're actually trying to get them to understand how it worked, how it worked or why the decision was made. And can they understand that like, oh, it's a business reason, right? Oh, it's because like friending is still important in 2014 to Facebook. Mm -hmm. We need that there. It's inherent in our platform or Pinterest. If you really hate how things are saved. So can you think of, can you think of these Why this decision was made? Yeah. Well, can you think of them in the eyes of, of the, the person that made it rather than the consumer. Exactly. And in doing that puts people sort of like they like there are a lot of times you're catching them off guard while asking this question. And the reason I find it so helpful isn't to try to trick anybody. I don't really care what you, what app you chose or what you're saying. It's that you understand that like there's a lot of decisions behind the apps you right. use. And it's not a one person. It's not one person making the decisions. It's a large team making mm -hmm. the decisions. Uh, you don't always get what you want, right? It's a lot of discussion. You're giving them a lot of information in this one little scenario. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's really cool. It, it, well, because like none of this is secret. Like every app you use, there's a team behind it who had a lot of debate. That app could have been cooler or worse. You will never know. Mm. Right. But it's because of a team making decisions on why that app is the way it is or that product is the way it is. Right. Right. How loud can your headphones go? That was designed. Mm -hmm. That was designed. Somebody played with that and thought about it endlessly. Yeah. Right. Should we have 11 volume steps and be cute or should we have 10 volume steps? <laughs> right. I, I actually dealt with that one in my life. Um, it's like, come on guys, spinal tap. Yeah. Right. It goes to 11. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we discuss everything. The noise it makes when you hit max volume, the noise it makes when you hit min volume. Right. Um, these are all things that are considered and thought about <clears throat> just the same way a car, right? They talk about, uh, they talk about how, how easy it is to open the door to your car. What's the sound an electric car makes when it's on? Cause it doesn't make noise. Yeah. It makes the big technologies that we all deal with and that we all use. It makes, it kind of brings them down to size a little bit. Yeah. It makes you feel like, Thinking of it that way, that, oh, a whole group of people, like I'm somehow connected to those people. And then when I'm dealing with my TV or whatever it is, and, and, and this app or this, you know, there was an update and now there's this new tab, a whole group of people, there's a reason why they put that there. And now I'm connected to those people somehow. Yeah. Because I, I use what they did every single day. And there's, and there's things <clears throat> that we get wrong all the time and the cool part about software is that we can you can change it and we can change it hardware a little harder let's talk about music let's do it what are you listening to oh what's man. current uh all right the so reason why you've come up in the podcast a few different times is because uh you're always the person that i'll send something either yeah. i'm working on or, or whatever and you're my don't take this the wrong way yeah you're my everyday normal listener. Oh, 100%. You're my consumer listener. Doesn't doesn't think about things in a in a technical music no. way and uh yeah, so I guess it's, it's so, I guess it's a, it's a compliment in in my opinion. I'm Joe everybody. Thanks. You're just, you know, you're just a normal average guy. And, and I'm not though. <laughs> and, and that's the funny part, but 
Uh, I'm not in the sense that I also am like more active at music listening than yeah. other people. However, uh, like I've known Jesse since I was like three. You're on. All right. You're on the pulse. Yeah. yeah. Because because you've introduced me to things that had become very big yeah, before they were big. But I, I um, I've known Jesse since I was three. I used to do. I used to do band with Jesse, but wasn't as good as Jesse, even though I also played percussion. Not many people are. And I, uh, <laughs> uh, I was more the other type of the art kid. I would draw a lot. And uh, I have always loved music, though. Right? Uh, as a kid, my mom will tell you that I hated music, but it was because like my sisters chose what I was listening to. Um, but around like seven, your sisters were, were, were like, they you listening know, to? cause like you would like listen to like sync or like Backstreet Boys cause they owned That's the awesome. radio and you're like, I don't want to listen to this. I, <laughs> and at the time I thought it was, I hate music, but it was really like, I don't like this music. Um, oh, you mean you don't like boy bands? That's weird. Yeah. And then, uh, Menudo only. Uh, and then I, uh, new kids, man. And, and honestly it's tech again. The thing that changed my relationship with music was downloading illegal music. Yeah. It was Kazaa had hit the scene and like obviously Napster and uh, Napster got shut down. So we all went to Kazaa and LimeWire and LimeWire and BearShare and all the weird ones uh, that would definitely get you viruses on that one computer back in the computer room where you're now router sits <laughs> yeah. and, and you told mom it wasn't you. The crazy thing about LimeWire, I remember because I mean, you know how big of a 311 fan I yeah. was in, in high school and everything, but like. The thing about one of my Lime, first major concerts was going to 311 and Alien Ant Farm with you. Yeah, it was a great concert. Yeah, um, I actually I love. I mean, I love downloading those things, and it wasn't just for the for the music that came that came out on LimeWire. You could download all these like hidden leaks. Oh, and all these like hidden. Um, it was the first time demos that of un like incomplete songs. Yeah, it was the first time a lot of us had understood the internet. A lot of us were yeah. like, oh my God, there's so much more than I've ever known. This isn't right. found in, in you know, I'm going to use a crazy old record, like Circuit City or Best Buy right. or Strawberries. But I got to hear demos yeah. of songs that came out in, in Circuit City or, you know. I, I remember actively with you looking for the 311 Omaha sessions, which were like their first yes. EP from the late 80s. Right. And it was like, whoa, this existed. Right. And and it was, it was like that. You can that, search this time capsule of music. Exactly. And at the time, uh, for anybody young enough listening, it wasn't that illegal. It was like, it no, was it, frowned, it was frowned upon, but like there was no laws against this yeah. yet. And we would just, I would use, I would use Napster and Kazaa to explore. Yeah. I mean, me and our buddy Chris Moore would literally just go download, yeah, what is every album the Beatles made? Because yeah. we didn't truthfully know. And it was at a time where you could explore music for the first time non-chronologically and not by whoever told you. Right. Right. It's not because your dad loved classic rock or your mom loved Olivia Newton-John only. Right. Or, right? <laughs> it was, it was uh, speaking from experience here. And um, like my mom listened to just like the, like the, the boring 70s. Like my mom was like the Carpenters. I was like, please don't. It's like, like, I'm, like no. I was like, mom, what about Hendrix? She's like, no way. Right. And it was. <laughs> At the time, you weren't being told what to listen to verse uh, on on radio because we weren't really listening to the radio, and you could have been informed by somebody older than you potentially, like the old way to learn music. But you now had a way to like explore music that you could just go look it up, go listen. 
You're like, I've heard of Dylan. Let me just go look up Bob Dylan. Who yeah. was this guy? You had a Wikipedia too, so it was kind of cool. Right. You're like, oh, Bob Dylan. All right, I'm going to read on this. I'm going to download everything he's ever made. Everything he's ever made. And, and you realize you're like, oh, I hate Dylan. Or you love Dylan. Or you or you found an artist. It was like, this, it's like you are the first of your friends to discover Nirvana, right. which sounds hilarious that you can like Christopher Columbus Nirvana. You're like, I found Nirvana yeah. first, like 30 years later. Um, but the thing is, when it comes to stuff like that, you can all you can all discover yeah like it music for people is like a journey of discovery whether it's at different aspects of their life and like you know coming of age and and those kinds of things like when i when i first discovered the the beatles like of course i knew who the beatles were but i had never dug in yeah i'd never really dug in and learned and and figured out their whole discography and once you you dive in and you hear the first record and then you see the evolution to the next one and the next one the next one you're like holy fuck and i actually think i actually think like spotify does a disservice to this like i love spotify i've been an early spotify member i completely agree with this spotify does a disservice because they tell you their most popular songs up top right right but like to understand that sergeant peppers is popular you have to listen to the rest of the beatles you have to right. understand why sergeant peppers was a different album right it's like cool like yeah now i understand why it's cool but you i have to a, know what they were doing ex- ex- like sergeant peppers you're like wow that sounds a lot different than than hey jude and you're like oh why yeah. why are those different why are yeah. those different songs is this imagine a different band? coming in and discovering the beatles like oh like first being introduced to sergeant peppers how weird would that be yeah the rest of the beatles would suck you, you would be like i don't like this band i don't like this terrible <laughs> band what are they doing i love sergeant peppers yeah but it's it was know, an experimental record on purpose yeah right right like i think we forget that. concept I, th- I think we look at like yeah sergeant peppers as a concept album is lost on a lot of people because they they view it as like a pinnacle work and which it was but it's looking be- in hindsight right. it's a pinnacle work right at the time it's the beatles it's a little crazy and smoked a bunch of weed right yeah you know it's this the same thing with like uh pet sounds right it's like it was a weird album when it came out it wasn't the rest of what they were doing right right but i think that like it's also the thing that that the the normal listen and this is why you're so good as because like the normal listener won't understand that won't understand that oh this this artist went out to to explore something yeah and then the next album might be completely different. But I think the reason that you're saying I'm, I'm quote unquote good at it is like what what I do is like, I'm like, oh, I love history. It's like, yeah. I love looking up who these people are. Right. What they sang before it, right. why, where did they come from? Yeah. Again, I think the Wikipedia. You like, get a little yeah. more connected to it rather yeah. than just hearing it on the surface. And I think that's kind of everybody, right? Like a, a good example of this. With certain uh, things. I, I'm a huge fan. I'm a huge fan of Maggie Rogers. I think a lot of people here know who Maggie Rogers is. Yeah. Uh, I remember watching the NYU session of Maggie Rogers uh, singing in front of Pharrell and Pharrell being dumbfounded. If you haven't seen the clip, it's on YouTube and Pharrell signing her almost near immediately yeah. to his album or to his, to his uh, label. label yeah. And uh, I've seen Maggie Rogers uh, live a few times. She's great. Uh, however, when I was watching that, you are also taking Pharrell's opinion. Like you're like, Oh, Pharrell says she's good. So she's, she's really good. Right. It's, you're not only using your validation, you're using somebody else's validation as well to like affirm that she's really good. It's like Pharrell's opinion in that moment meant a lot. But here's, here's what Pharrell's opinion is though. Pharrell's opinion is the Neptunes. Pharrell's opinion is every song he produced or co-wrote or, 
or whatever. That's it's his musical. It's his taste. You trust his taste. Exactly. It's like if you go into an art museum and whoever curated the art, you trust that person's yeah. taste. So, so I think that and 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 you use that as another vector, right? So this is why I'll, I'll talk about how I discover music now is I read a lot. And I don't just read, like, I think you can, like, people will be like, I only read Pitchfork. Pitchfork's great. No. Well, you, you introduced me. Well, I had heard of it through the grapevine, yeah. but I never, I never explored music that way. Yeah. So, like, that is, uh, like, NME. When yeah. you, when you introduced me to that whole aspect I, of things, yeah. I was like, oh, wow, this is a whole other world I that like, I don't understand. I like reading about music, but like everything, I like hearing a bunch of opinions. Yeah. So, I think that if you read Pitchfork, uh, it's, it's like a, it's like a joke at this point that Pitchfork hates your favorite album. Yeah. Right. It's like if you love it, Pitchfork gives it a four point six. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's like if it's the worst album you've ever heard, eight nine, maybe a perfect ten. You yeah. never know. Right. Right. Like if it's just if it's just ASMR, oh, it's, so, it's so subjective. If it's just ASMR and like a, like a like a, a pan flute, it's an immediately ten or something. Ten um, hit. Eleven yeah, it's, hit. It's, it's great. Nobody's ever heard of the artist. Perfect ten. Yeah. Right. Uh, it's like they're the hipster hipsters. I would be a perfect ten on there. Yeah. And, <laughs> And then, uh, and then there's like Rolling Stone, which is like the, the American outdated version of things. And they kind of have a very, like, if it's Bob Dylan, it's getting a five. Right. If it's anybody else, it's like, well, you're not Dylan. So it's well, a the four. Thing, the, the problem with Rolling Stone is like, they know what with they four have. four stars is their max, but. They know what they have to be. Yes. And that's the problem. Right. But then around that same time that we were downloading on Kazaz, at the exact same time, the internet and blogging took over. Right. And. And there was this birth of a lot of, you could get a lot of people's opinions on albums and you could read a lot about music and start learning about artists you didn't know. And sometimes these were just really like learning more about the Beatles that you didn't know. And sometimes it was like new music and I'll always give everything a chance. I listen to a bunch of stuff and I really resonate with NME, uh, which is basically England's Rolling Stone. Um, And I read, I just read that a lot and I'll collect songs and I'll listen to their playlists um, I'll listen to Glastonbury Festival playlist. Always, every year, Glastonbury Fest playlist is one of great. the one of the very first trial episodes of After the Gig was me listening to enemy artists and just talking and critiquing it. Yeah, and I never released it because I didn't feel good. Like for me to act like a music critic doesn't feel good because I would imagine I imagine myself trying to like sitting down like this and having a conversation with that, the artist and having to explain myself. Yeah. And, and I would have no problem doing that. And hopefully they would take my opinion yeah. and, and just be like, okay, but I don't know. Critique I think uh, is okay. What critique is okay. It has to be critique tough. is okay. But I definitely have that side of me where I'm the musician in the back of the room at the show being like, nah, I could do better. Yeah, of that. course. I'm definitely that person. And I, I want to get rid of that aspect of my personality, but it's so hard. And I actually think that's why I listen to a lot of random stuff that when I send you, right, you're, you're always just like, oh, I haven't listened to it, but it's like, it's like, I'm just listening to it as like a fan. I'm just listening yeah. to it without the other side. I lis- I just listen to such a select and, and I'm trying to break out of it. Yeah. When I was in college, I mean, obvi- I was lif- listening to so much more stuff because there were so many different people around from different places and I was, it was Berkeley, I, I, but yeah, you know, now it's, it's just when you're, when you're playing in a band full time and when you're, when you're just like your head's down, you're trying to work, work, work on music, work, 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 work. work, work. work when you're working on music, you're not listening to a lot of music and that sounds kind of counterproductive. Yeah. Which it is. Well, you get into a hole, you get, you get like sort of zoned in on on this thing. I get jealous of people that have like 
a, a job where they can listen to a lot of different things. And I think that's actually part of it is like, I am able to listen to music at work. Yeah. Right. That's something I do. Um, and trust me, that goes into holes as well. You'll find people who just listen to the same thing every day. Right. Um, I, I used to work a lot with Pandora. Pandora has this whole principle called just press play where their, their yeah. average listener just wants to press play in its background music. It's not about what song this is. Like P- Pandora is great for discovery too. Yeah. You're only going to, you're only going to run into you know X amount of things because bigger artists are on Pandora. You're not going to run into a lot of indie stuff. Yeah. Um, Spotify, Spotify's new music, uh, their, their playlists for discover weekly. That's why I want to Yeah. Both of those are fantastic. Right. But the problem with Spotify is it's very easy to get into your same, same songs that you constantly listen to. I have that problem with Spotify because I'm just like, oh, Spotify, there's so many options. There's so much everything. I can do and for everything. And and then I just see, oh, here's this playlist you've been listening to. Yeah. Okay, I'll just play that. So so behind Discover Weekly and Release Radar was them actually trying to fix this. People yeah. don't create playlists. They, they subscribe to playlists. And if Spotify could make a programmatic playlist that would change all the time, they found out that it could be a custom radio station. Uh, yeah. And basically Discover Weekly changes every Monday, right? And you wake up on Monday and you have a new playlist for the week. Mm. Uh, one of the faults of Discover Weekly is that on new Monday, it deletes that playlist. So if you didn't remember the name of the song you liked, it's gone. <laughs> so that's a, that is, that's a problem with Discover Weekly. I have friends who have like archives of Discover Weekly that get saved and like there's hacks for it. Really? Um, but yeah, like imagine you don't remember the name of the song, but now it's Monday morning again and it's gone. Like you don't, you don't have a history really. Yeah, you um, have to actively be saving songs. And, and and Release Radar looks at what you normally play mm-hmm. and then asks, is there a new song by that artist? And that's on Fridays. And that's to try to pump up the newest tracks available. Yeah, And the combination of those two, I think, introduced me to a lot of music. And also, it's really funny because it's what algorithms think I like. Like Interesting. I was, I was listening to it to my... Discover Weekly this week, and there was a lot of like trip hop on there, and I was like, I don't listen to trip hop at all, so I'm wondering what set this off. Yeah, but I, yeah, but I can see that happening because there's stuff that you send me that I'm like, this is weird. Yeah, but I don't, I don't <laughs> expect, I didn't expect it to to really do that, and I was trying to really figure out how they were getting me to that. Mm-hmm. So part of Discover Weekly, it's it's a hack. Part of Discover Weekly is getting you things you'll like. And part of Discover Weekly is ensuring that Spotify gives enough plays to artists. Right. So they circulate tracks in there that do not have a lot of listeners to ensure that they're telling artists that they are getting their songs out there. Right. Okay. Right. So they are mixing in Ariana Grande, who they know you like, with a newer artist that you might like. And they're doing a lot of smart guesses on why you might like this artist. Interesting. Um. So they are, they're building a playlist, but don't think for a second that that playlist isn't, uh, isn't a little more curated than you might like. Right. I'm not saying you can pay your way to the top, but it's very similar to the, to the same type of system. You can. I mean, the, the thing is, well, you can definitely pay your way to the middle. Yeah. But you have to, you have to have an X factor and, and have exceptional talent or exceptional song to, to be able to get all the way to the top. But and, f- and look at what TikTok is doing to this industry. Right now. TikTok right. is destroying the traditional it's record. Tur- label. It's turning it completely on its head. Terrible, terrible songs are becoming number one because they're catchy as hell they're and they're catchy popular or, for yeah. the moment. Yep. Right. Um, you know, uh, uh, what's the, like not to pick any song out, but there are songs that are, they're fun for the video, 
but now people look up the whole song and now I, you know, and now it has like a hundred million plays. Which is just insane, man. Yeah. And there's something to be said, like the old school and this opinion is just like these terrible songs yeah. are, are just getting so much play and they're getting so popular and people are making so much money that haven't paid any dues. Yeah, but this is how it worked, man. I know. It's it, how it's always worked. It's such it's such an old old way of thinking. And there you can you can be like, you know, you can get mad at that. But you know, yeah, I don't know. Uh, what's what I, what's the name of the song? Uh, number one creator on all of TikTok is Charlie D'Amelio, over a hundred million uh, followers. Unbelievable. Uh, Charlie is sixteen years old, hundred million followers. Uh, her sister's name is Dixie. Uh, Dixie has a song that came out. That's I don't want to be happy. When your sister has a hundred million followers, you have something like forty million followers, and your friend group collectively is at like three hundred million. You can put out a song that hits number one in the U.S. Do whatever you want. You can do whatever you want. Do whatever you want. You have that many people following you and watching everything you do. You do whatever so, you want. I Don't Want to Be Happy is not a good song, right? I'm By sure any stretch of... I'm, I'm being honest. It's not a good song. I, I don't even consider that like a personal opinion. I think everybody can agree it's a terrible right. song. But it hit number one because of popularity. Yeah, people right? like people like bad. Sometimes. People like bad, but also it's like, oh my god, I like Dixie. I want to listen to her music, and it becomes like a personal thing, right? Right, and it's and it's or like, oh my god, I want to support Charlie's sister because you have like some relationship with Charlie because you can watch her videos. Like, it, it, it's weird, right? But it it's it's that is twenty twenties version of music. That's what just happened. But the exciting part of this is a bunch of songs that are coming up and artists that are coming up that are using TikTok as their platform and realizing that if they can make a song that goes viral on TikTok, they don't need a label. How do you think an artist like that will go, goes from zero to millions of followers? Is it, does it have, and and this is almost like a tech question too, because does it have something to do with how they've positioned themselves in search? Ah, um, how they've positioned themselves, like the algorithm. What What is it? What yeah. is the the secret? Be- because there's so many, so much bad stuff out there. So there's no, or there's is it just no people love ini- a, tr- a, a train wreck? Yeah. So there's no initial secret. I think that once it does hit a certain level of popularity, then the algorithm will take over mm. and, and make it go faster. Right. However, at the initial, it is people sharing. Like TikTok is the single greatest algorithmic, algorithmic first app we've ever seen. No one has built anything like TikTok before. So to explain to you what I mean by that, um, Facebook, when you're using Facebook, Facebook knows when you engage with a post because you liked the post. Right. And you clicked on the post. You commented on the post. Each of those has a different weight. To Facebook, if you commented on a post, it means more than if you like the post. Right. And either of those actions matter more than clicking on the post. Right. What if I told you that you didn't know this, but for years, Facebook has looked at how long you hover over the post. Hmm. Right. That's another metric. You didn't scroll. You stopped scrolling is actually another signal they'll use. TikTok. Let's go with TikTok. The video starts. It plays again. Signal you did not you did not go to the next video. Right. It does not auto put you to the next video, just reloops. You've now opened the comments, closed the comments. You've opened the comments, you've scrolled. You've opened share, you sent it. Right? You've liked it. 
all of these are engagement actions that they're using to train it that you like this. Right. So you just waiting on the video and watching it three times. That's a big deal. Is a signal. That's huge. That's how TikTok works. Right. So you watching the video 18 times is a signal in a multiplier. Now, it's not an 18x multiplier on that video, but that's how TikTok sort of knows what you know, what you, your deepest, darkest secrets of what you like mm. is because they're using a bunch of metrics that you're not thinking about. Right. They're looking at you not, not scrolling or scrolling or scrolling immediately. <laughs> if you, because if you like something, you're going to continue to watch it. Exactly. <laughs> Clicking in, sharing, um, all of these are, all of these are, are metrics. Now, TikTok does a beautiful feature of using the audio as a jumping off point, right? And, mm. and that's the secret to TikTok. So music has a huge role in TikTok because sometimes the meme of whatever the action is, it's a dance, it's a joke, it's a, it's a, you know, a, type of, a type of video, will use that song or that audio. And now that audio, it's not about the audio anymore. The audio is about this new thing that it's been prescribed to the audio. Uh, so like, uh, oh God, uh, I'm trying to think of a TikTok meme right now, but like the renegade, right? It's more the dance than it is the song. Right. Right. It's like, can you do this dance? Right. Nobody was listening to it for the song. It was, I want to show people I can do the dance. And so then watch, the video. you're watching individual people right. do the dance. WAP. WAP was huge this summer. Cause yes, first of all, it's a great song. But second of all, it was like, I'm going to make a dance to WAP. I'm going to make a funny video to WAP. I'm going to play WAP in front of my mom and make her uncomfortable. <laughs> I'm um, going to sit down and have a long conversation about what that is. It's like, I'm going to blast it in church. Right? <laughs> I'm going to do the worst things with this song because it's now meme worthy. Right. Um, so I think the internet is changing music a little bit here. A lot of bit here. Right. Um, have you seen the kid who puts like the tube in his mouth and he does like the vocalized stuff? He sounds like Daft Punk. Is it a vocorder? It's, I think it is a vocorder. Yeah. Um, the kids think he is batshit insane. He's just using the technique they haven't seen. Right. Um, but it's really fun. And he'll do any song. And it starts to be almost like Piano Man in a way where you like ask him to do a song because you want to hear yeah, it. I could see a kid. I can see it. I can see why it would be interesting. Because if you add elements of, of you know, talent and then comedy and then youth. Yeah. It's just like. But also there's the, there's the piano bar aspect to it, which is yeah. do it. I want to hear my favorite song like this and he'll respond and he'll, and he'll do your favorite song. And mm -hmm. I think that that builds this engagement part that hasn't been seen yet. So how do I get big on TikTok? Oh my man. Nie my niece really wants me to do TikTok. She thinks I can be very famous on TikTok. The trick of TikTok really is to, to, to jump on these bigger songs. Yeah. It's to do something with the sound that makes it unique, right? Or you have a really unique thing. So like my buddy, uh, I'll plug him, David W. Ma. Uh, Dave is a, a film producer for Hollywood. Dave, he does he does commercials for like DiGiorno, McDonald's, KFC, Pepsi. A DiGiorno. And he, he shows you behind the scenes of like how you do food TV. So he's really fun because he has like million dollar sets where he's like showing you how they make a DiGiorno clear oven work. He's like, I had to buy a clear oven. Well, that's fucking awesome. So exactly. So for him... He doesn't need the songs. The yeah. songs don't need to be used because right. Dave has really interesting shit to share. What if I share back, like behind the scenes, backstage, funny? Yeah, funny. I, I think that's that is that one way to share on TikTok. Another way is to engage with what is current, okay. right? And the engaging with what is current is 
under watching a lot of TikTok and understanding what are like the popular memes, the popular jokes, right. understanding that world. Like there's, I mean, I've studied it now for two years and there's hilarious parts of TikTok to me. Like, what if I told you putting like a dish towel on your head means you're a mom? It's how you mime a mom. <laughs> so like, if you want to, if you want to, if you want to impersonate your mom, why? It's, I think it's supposed to be hair, but it's even, gotta be. even girls with long hair will do it. And it makes me laugh every time because when they want to imitate their mom or like do like a whole like, oh no, it's with the, it's with a dish towel on their head. And it makes me laugh every single time. Um, That's crazy. It's because they're 15. The way I explain TikTok to people is TikTok's a sleepover, right? It's the dumb things you did at a sleepover when you were a kid. But now it's, That's truth, a good or, way to it's put it. truth or dare. It's, it's, you know, it's not this revolutionary thing. We've all played all these games. We just did it with four friends. They're doing it with a hundred million friends, right? It's, it's, it's crazy. It's a different game. It's like never have I ever. Yeah, you're never have I ever is really interesting to a thousand other kids, right? Right. Um, you doing shots in college or like putting all the bottles on the wall is fun when you're 21 or interesting when you're 20 but other kids like oh man look at this kid he put like a highlighter in a vodka bottle and it glows in the dark like we all know this yeah we all but like to them it's brand new it's the first time they've seen it because you had a first time you saw that it was like your friend's older brother's room and you thought it was so cool right when we were kids i remember the guy next door uh growing up uh he had like a playstation with the games that actually were cool so like i would go over his house and he would show me these games who uh kyle oh right And, uh, and he would have like Medal of Honor and that stuff, and I didn't have those games. And I remember his room had like absolute the absolute ads were all over his wall, and I was like, "This is dope." My sister a, had those. Well, because at a time the absolute ads were like culturally cool, right? But like I had never seen them before, right? And and I think that TikTok is doing that for a lot of things to a lot of people right now. You're meeting the kid who's a little weird that you get along with, right? It made the world a little smaller and also helped you share things. You're like, oh man, I we- I live in a weird Bible town. Yeah, a lot of people live in weird Bible town. Comes down to connection, you know. Yeah, it's like, oh, my parents aren't the only ones who are this weird. Yeah, right. Or like, my sister's not the only one who annoys me. Right, and I think that you know TikTok is sharing something that is very synonymous right now with Gen Z. Um, is that uh, there's this there's this common thing right now where like millennials on Instagram don't want you to see how bad their life is. They pretend it's great by showing you like amazing pictures of avocado toast, <laughs> right? Or like, oh my god, my life's amazing. Look at this brunch. Yeah. Where like Gen Z is like the world is awful, and I want to show you all of it. <laughs> and like Gen Z the is dark like, talks. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. But like Gen Z is just like. Yeah, I peed my pants and then shit myself. <laughs> and you're like, what? Why are you telling everybody this? But I like, like it. Why are you telling everybody this? And they're like, that's how my day's going. Yeah. And you're like, what? This is too real. Like Gen Z took like reality to a different level. I love how on social media, like when the, during the pandemic, when it was like lockdowns, everyone was, it was hard times. People were losing their jobs. All the, the uh, influencers posting like their lavish lives and yeah. all the stuff that they're doing. Kim, Kim and her friends. It right? was not a good look. No, it's. I mean that that just happened. If you want to talk about like super t- like super like all the big TikTokers went to the Bahamas together Ugh. while preaching that you should do social distancing. Yeah, they're all everyone's a bunch um, of fucking hypocrites. Yeah, exactly. Uh, however, I think that I think that TikTok right now is having a huge moment. It's a, it's it's great. I think though that according to music and, and if we just want to bring it back to music is that there's a lot of really interesting parts of TikTok with music of musicians on TikTok. Yeah. I'm seeing a lot of um when we were in college, you actually were part of this where it was it was popular to play live drums 
two popular songs. Yeah. I'm seeing that grow again on TikTok. Hmm. I'm seeing people who are like, oh man, I'm going to play the new little Uzi Vert on drums. Right. right. There is, there definitely is a style of like, you know, somebody with a camera that's moving around the yeah. drum kit around right. the front. They're playing to some kind of song. Or I mean, that means your camera person's great. Right. Yeah. It's like props to the camera person. It's like a top comment. Totally. Right. Uh, you see like a crazy ski, a snowboard video and people are like, but the camera person is like, is, <laughs> you know, they deserve all the credit. Yeah. Um, but I think that like, so there's, there's a couple of parts to TikTok, right? It's the music that is the background of the track that mm-hmm. could just be because something's popular. There is people making music on TikTok, right? Or like something like playing the drums. And then there's this other thing using the duet feature, which is very similar to uh, our buddy Evan, who does acapella on mm-hmm. YouTube, where you can duet and you who can... just released a new album. Actually. Oh, yep. plug it. Plug a new it. EP. Just right. released a new EP. It's on Spotify. Band's Accent. Go check them out. Yeah, they're great. Uh, and uh, Accent does acapella. And you'll see them use like five video, five people on one YouTube video. Where TikTok will happen is imagine that Evan's saying one version of a song. Yep. And then anybody in the world can duet him, use his audio, and then add a different layer to that. Yeah. So play drums behind him. Yeah. I saw one this morning that was seven people long, and it was seven different vocal tracks, and they're making a internet song, basically. It's crazy. And that's where you see that like this isn't this isn't uh so one toned. Right. This is like this multifaceted ways that music is entering the zeitgeist right now. Yeah. And it's nice it's nice to see that the application is like allowing it to flourish. Accidentally. Yeah. They didn't know anybody would use it that way. That wasn't intended. But because there's always these updates. You get updates from Facebook or Instagram. Yeah. Like it's this feature that I really like. Now it's gone or or it's different in a way that I don't like. Yeah. And like but like TikTok uh TikTok started as musically, right? Mm-hmm. And musically didn't work. The, the original musically before musically was Wasn't music- just people like lip singing. So yeah, musically the- was lip syncing. Before that, it was a help app. So like, if you want to talk about that, it was how do I how do I wash my car? And it was like a how to really app. And then they, it wasn't working. So they found out that people were like doing lip syncing. So they like lowered the limit from five minutes to fifteen seconds, and people were doing the lip syncing. And then it got bought by ByteDance, the Chinese company who brought up uh, Musically. And then in two thousand eighteen, we got TikTok, and TikTok started like spreading like wildfire because a bunch of these features like duetting were new. Right. But like nobody knew how they were going to be used. Don't think for a second that like TikTok was like, yeah, two <clears throat> years from now, seven people are going to sing a pirate song together. So like they had no idea. No idea. How, but, how would you ever have an idea? No, you just had, we enable this feature that allows somebody to take one video and add to it. And the internet then took over. That's it. People took over. You gave them a set of tools and allowed them to do something. I'm going to work on my TikTok game. Do it. I'm going to do it. Do it. I, I, it's, a really, it's a really fun platform. Um, I think Instagram Reels, also a fun platform, doing very similar stuff. Um, but this idea of this, this short form video is not going anywhere. I think that this is a new way to share. It's a new way to broadcast. The fact yeah. that Charlie hit 100 million uh, followers Dude, is the big. Fact, the fact that you did, you... did I send you the video today of the drummer with... Uh, he was playing at church and he's a big guy. No. Yes. Yes, you did. Oh my God. The fact that I can just like watch a short reel like that and just send it to everyone I know. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, with the click of the finger. I I mean, that's the power. That's the power of where we are right now. But I think that's also why certain artists are becoming popular. Why we're shifting this dynamic that you have to be part of a label to be popular. It's like, 
I mean, in a way, some of these artists are Justin Bieber on steroids. Yeah. Like Bieber, Bieber was found on YouTube, but still needed a label to make himself popular. But if you're smart and you and you can capitalize on some new popular popularity on TikTok or whatever, there's so many different ways to monetize online. Now. Yeah. So there's, it's just like um, you can turn it into whatever you want. There's a song called Drugs that is crazy on TikTok right now. And Drugs is just like, this guy is saying, I love drugs. And it's a really kind of a catchy song. And he shows you that like he made the hook and put it on TikTok. And people are like, where's the rest of the song? Hmm. He's like, oh, I don't I don't have a rest. There is no rest So then he it. made the rest Write of the it. song. And then like, where's it on Spotify? And he's like, I'll, I'll put it on Spotify. And now it's like, it's multi-million views on Spotify. Crazy. But because. Because people told him, told him to finish it. Exactly. He, encouragement. Exactly. You know, he had a good idea from the start and then turned it into a, a, a bigger thing. It's a thing. really funny song. Like I enjoy it. It has a good hook, but it's, it's very funny to me that that became, that became a, a thing. You're watching the artist work for the first time. And right. this kid is like, he's a kid. He didn't know he was going to be popular. Right. Um, and it's sort of like YouTube had this to a degree, right? YouTube, we all saw the behind the scenes, but it felt a little bit like more manufactured, mm-hmm. right? We saw the kid making the beats, right? right? We knew that was a thing. This feels a little like, I made a cool sound. And somebody's like, dog, keep yeah. going. Got it. Here it is. Right. Uh, the Disney song. Uh, I'm at a Disney, Disney. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That was a TikTok song. She made the hook and had to finish it. Really? People are like, what's the rest of it? It's so crazy. Right, what's the rest? And the rest of it kind of sucks. Like, that's the best line. The I'm mad at Disney. They kind of tricked me is by far the best line of that song. Right? And TikTok the rest would of that be perfect song, for me because I'm so good at coming up with like one part of a song and not finishing it. Yeah. And <laughs> and it has multi-million. It's on like the radio now. It's crazy. And people are like, who's that artist? I'm like, you've never heard of them because they didn't exist it's a like month ago. Some girl in her, in her bedroom just... But I mean, that's where we are. And if you go 10 years in the future, we're going to be at a different world, right? We're going to be at, we're going to be at your most popular artist started last week. I hope it's good. popular, right? I I hope it's good. I hope that 10 year from now world is is a good world. Yeah, true. Uh, I'm excited (laughs) though for like, like like, growing up, we only had one vanilla ice. Mm -hmm. He was like our most popular one hit wonder person. We got a whole bunch of them. I'm excited about that now. (laughs) I'm excited about like 5,000. Like I'm excited about like... Like they're all at a dive bar in the middle of nowhere, and somebody's like, "Are you the I'm mad at Disney girl?" And she's like, "Yeah, it's me." It's like, "Yeah, it's me." <laughs> she's like, "I can sing it right now for five dollars." Like, I'm really <laughs> excited about that moment of like, because these aren't like I also none of them get to be Aerosmith either. Like, I think that's another shitty part. Is that's true? Is there's no like they're not hitting this other level because of this at the right. same time. Right. Um, it's just, it's like, it's like we're crowd, crowdsourcing the talent now. It's like we're crowd sharing the talent. Well, it's almost like, okay, I never thought of this before. We went from listening. So, um, uh, records, vinyls, you listened to the entire thing cause you couldn't skip ahead. Right. Tapes. You could fast forward and rewind, right. but you couldn't skip from track to track. It wasn't and, perfect. And you had to remember that. Right. Um, and then CDs were the first time you get to pick track by track but you had to buy the whole cd right and then streaming and, and steve jobs with 99 cents and itunes said i can buy a single track and it made the playlist come back again right but it also made like 
oh, I'm only buying the best track on your album. Right. I'm not buying all $13 or $20 on right. your album. I definitely miss I definitely miss being able to sit down and, and listen to the whole album and, oh. and have and have the track placement and everything be like an artistic, you know. I have friends, I have friends situation. who I'll actually specify with. You're actually one of them that I'll specify with like listen to the whole album or just this track is good. Right. Right. And, and it's like I like that's hard to do sometimes because people are like I don't listen to the whole album I'm like I know yeah and then and then you know let's go forward though and we say like that was the medium forcing us to to listen to music a certain way what happens when there's so many artists that I don't have to like multiple tracks by a single one I can make a compilation out of all these different ones if they're all one hit wonders and it doesn't fucking matter because there's new ones you're right. Yeah, of course. You can do that and have all the best of each one, but then... But it doesn't... I'm never... I don't want to go see the I'm Mad at Disney... You're really only painting with one color. I, I get it, but I don't want to go see the I'm Mad at Disney woman in concert. No, never. Right? Like Play the song. Okay, we can all leave. It'd be the shortest concert. You'd be able to do whatever you wanted with the rest of your night. And... and <laughs> Uh, there's still always going to be an opener that takes 45 minutes to set up though. <laughs> right. You know, that's, you know, that's right. how it's going to work. Yeah. Um, and, and I think that like, that's interesting to me, like 10 years from now, do we have 15 major artists or do we have 200 smaller artists? Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, we, we definitely still, the thing is no one's saying like, Oh, I hate the fact that like Taylor Swift is, you know, huge. killing it right now, by killing the way, it. just absolutely kill. both Destroying albums are it. great. I don't care. They're how both you feel. great. They're Fantastic. both great. They're both really, really great. Um, I love Taylor Swift, but you have, you have these big artists and there's lots of fame and lots of, yeah. you know, there's lots of pressure and stuff that comes with that. I almost feel like these, these people on TikTok or, or these artists and, and these songs, they get so popular and there's like no, there's no ramification. There's no, there's no smoke and mirrors. Well, let's look at the, let's look at the classic adages, right? Like let's look at, um, uh, their second album's always shitty. Okay. Right. right. The second album's always the shitty. Sophomore album is so always the worst. Sophomore album's always the worst. Right. And the reason it's always the worst is because you had, you get, you tried to, like, first of all, that person put like 15 years into the first album. Right. And they were forced to come out with a second album. They're like, we need another one. Endless pressure that it had to be as good as this first one. Right. Um, for me, it's always more common in rap that that happens. Oh, yeah. It's super common. This sophomore album is terrible. Like, yeah. I, I will go with 50 Cent, Get Rich or Die Tryin', fantastic album. His second album, I don't remember the name. That's how bad it is. I don't remember the name either. Right. The first album... Man, that guy tried hard. That was a great first album. At yeah. the time, people, that was a great album. But like, yeah. but you have all these bangers. It's like, why do I need to do anything else? Yes, ever in I'm your good. life. I'm all set. Yeah. I mean, if they hate you, let them hate you. Watch your money pile up. I mean, right. 50. You taught That's them right. that. Right? Like, right. I think that, I think that like, there's something about that sophomore album has a lot of pressure behind it and, and making it. I think that, you know, in this one hit wonder world is also like, yeah, you can't make another I'm mad at Disney. Right. You, you really like, that was a hook that you made that was really good and it ran up so far. And now they want you to be Bieber and you're realizing that there's like a team behind that guy. Right. And, and there's like, and that people, was years. And there's people who write for him and right. there's people who give him songs. Right. Right. So you have these vessels. Yeah. But the thing is like, Bieber, Bieber's incredible, just so incredibly talented. And, yes. You know, Taylor Swift. Except for Yummy. So I will hate on Yummy all yeah. day long. You know. Yeah. There's always a stinker. Yeah. <laughs> um, but you have these incredibly talented people, which I think, you know, it's all 
deserved and teams and years of practice and traveling and work and all this stuff but you know it's crazy we should wrap this up and eat pizza and have one more drink that's cool thanks nick welcome man appreciate it that was great i feel i hope that people like um i think that people appreciate the tech stuff because it's it's something that everyone uses and nobody really completely understands and I hopefully just you look at your phone a little differently. Yeah. The, the phone, the TV remote, right? Like everybody, there's people who thought about all these things. Like, and if you hate it, ask yourself, why did somebody choose to do it this way? And sometimes it's because they're idiots, but like a lot of the times it's because you don't fully understand the reasoning behind it. Right. That's right. an episode. We did it. Awesome. What do you want to name it? I think I'm going to name it. You can do whatever you want with the rest of your night. Cause that's what I said. That Perfect. was funny. Perfect. There it is. That's it. That's the end of the podcast. Please rate, review, and subscribe. Uh, Go to jessehumphrey.com, check out the merch store, and you can actually also stream this podcast on the website as well. So it's kind of a one-stop shop. It has carbon leaf dates. It has uh, kind of what I'm doing, a little bio section, ways to contact. Uh, Best way to contact me is afterthegigpod at gmail.com. Also, check out the Patreon page patreon.com slash after the gig those are the ways that you can support the podcast and hopefully i will see you tonight for over the hump the live stream on facebook 8 p.m eastern time all right guys have a great week and i will see you next week Tell me